Gucci. We back uh, Because it is a You get it Let's go Episode What we at 37, 38 38 Yeah, 38 Yesterday We back been a couple days though A lot going on too, man Let's go, Gucci. Shout out, Gucci, man. This one of my favorite Gucci jams of all time, right here, man. This jam just—it it just says summertime right here, man. You put this on, you just feel like you're in summertime mode right now, man. And we got we got to start talking about Gucci. Is he the top trap rapper of all time? Him, T.I. There's a couple other people we can put up there, but Jeezy. Do the top trap rappers all come from Atlanta? That's another question. Let's go. We're not going to act like Gucci catalog ain't deep. Lot to get into, man. In a couple days, man. But we back, you got it. Let's go, man. You got it. Shout out Gucci, man. We back. 
And, and and I really gotta think about that, man. We do gotta pose that question, man. Is Gucci the best trap rapper of all time, man? I really gotta think about that. Do the best trap rappers come from ATL? I'm gonna go out on a limb and probably say that they do. But uh that's here and there, man. You know what I mean? But that jam right there, man, that yeah, man, that's just one of the top 10 all-time summer jams that you're going to hear, though. That's for sure, man. But, yeah, you got it. We back. Episode 38. I want to say it's 38. I'm 100% positive, but I'm a god on the limit. Say it's 38. And, yeah, man, it's been a couple of days, man. I, I, You know what I mean? Definitely been a couple of days. A lot been going on. I haven't really had a chance to drop... Um, you know, when I when I first started this podcast, I think my very first episode, man, I talked about why I started this podcast and, you know, kind of what it meant to me in regards to, um, you know, my dad and just kind of a way for me to kind of, you know, get some of my thoughts out there, um, especially with, you know, kind of dealing with the grief and, and, and whatnot and what forth and... Basically, with that being said, my dad's birthday was last week, and um, yeah, man, it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still in that 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 grieving process. So I think you never know when it's going to hit you. Um, it's something that you really have no control over, as well. And uh, yeah, man, it took me a couple of days, man. You know what I mean? I'm still kind of kind of dealing with you know the birthday in in the last couple of days. And it still kind of affected me, but we, you know, we're going to try to push through and, um, and, you know, and try to, try to kind of get back on, on a better schedule. Uh, it's definitely been a couple of days, man, since we dropped, but, you know, yeah, man, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take a break, man, when it's, when it's time, sometimes you just gotta take a break. And when you do, you know, kind of deal with, you know, what's going on grief-wise. Um, sometimes it's best to, to not do too much and to kind of just sit back and just kind of sit sit in that grief. So, uh, have I been a little testy, I think, the last couple of days? Yeah, I, th- I think I have been. Um, but I think that's to be, that's to kind of, to be expected, you know, so... Yeah, but there's been a lot going on, man. I'm going to try to recap what I can uh, from these last couple of days and try to get it, you know, try to get it in the, in the in these, you know, 60 minutes that we got. <clears throat> try to get it in these 60 minutes that we got. But I kind of want to start out right now. I mean, we're going to get into some sports, some sports takes. And... I want to start out with Dame Dollar, okay, dropping 71 points tonight in a win against the Houston Rockets. And we got to start, I mean, listen, Dame Dame won the three-point contest. We know he got one of the, the best jumpers, you know what I mean? I predicted he would win the three-point contest. And we got to, I mean, I think Dame does get the respect around the league. <clears throat> I'm not gonna say that he doesn't. I think every, I think you know, Dame Lillard is definitely regarded as one of the top 
maybe 15 players in the league. Maybe top 10, um, depending on, you know, what your metric is. And I think a lot of people, we you know, we want to see Dame on a winning team that has a chance to compete for a championship. Is that going to happen? I don't think so, unless somebody decides to go to Portland. Until that happens, I mean, you know, you know, Dame can do enough to get them to the playoffs for the most part. Championship aspirations, not as much. But that does not take away from his greatness. Um, he's the eighth player with 70-plus points in a game. Dame got five 60-point games. I mean, he's he's a bucket. What, what more can be said? Dame Lillard is a bucket, man. So, you know, I kind of wanted to start, just start off and show him some love for what he did tonight um, in a historic performance. And, you know, I mean, he's going to battle. You know, one thing about Dame is he's going to battle. He's going to try to get Portland in the playoffs. Uh, we would love to see him in the playoffs in that atmosphere because anytime he gets in the playoffs, he shows out. So, shout out to Dame. And, uh, hey, man, keep doing what you're doing, Dame. Hopefully somebody goes and joins Dame in Portland, man. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, kind of like with Luka and Kyrie going, you know, kind of joining forces. I think Dame needs a second superstar up there. Uh, CJ McCollum, I wouldn't say was a superstar. He's definitely a very good player, but he wasn't a superstar. Um, So I'd like to see Dane with another superstar who comes to mind for me uh, with Dane would probably be someone like a Bam Adebayo. Uh, I'd like to see, yeah, I'd like to see, you know, Bam potentially go there. I think Bam is is borderline superstar. Uh, maybe even Jimmy Butler. That would be somebody else I'd like to see. Uh, if, if Dame ever left Portland, um, I'd like to see him go to L.A., but I don't think that's going to happen, so we can kind of put that to bed. But uh, shout out to Dame, man. Speaking of Kyrie and Luka, uh, the Mavericks lost again today with Kyrie and Luka in the lineup. I believe they're 0-2 with those two. No, they're 1-2 and, one and two with those two in the lineup. And they lost to the Lakers. And listen, let me tell you, those new look Lakers look very good. Those new look Lakers are looking good. Okay? Uh, listen. LeBron, AD... They look very strong. Malik Beasley, it looks like the lights aren't too bright for him. He's been knocking down the jumper. Jared Vanderbilt has been, you know, probably the best, I think the best fit for this Lakers team. Um, just as a glue guy that kind of does everything. Um, points, rebounds, assists, steals, uh, takes the opponent's best player and locks them up. Um, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Lakers. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I think they're 3-0 since the trade. And right now, they are sitting two games out the sixth seed. So they went from 13th down to 11th, and now they're two games from the sixth seed. Can they get that sixth seed? It's possible. It's very possible. It's very, very possible. But we will see. We'll see. LeBron kind of tweaked his ankle today. We'll see You know what happens with him when they report on him tomorrow. And we'll see if, you know, what happens and if he needs to sit down. Now, if LeBron, now all bets are off if, if LeBron has to miss any 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 amount of games. 
in the next, you know, couple weeks. So if he misses any games, you can you can kind of take the Lakers Lakers out the playoffs. You can kind of chalk that up. <clears throat> but Lakers look good, man. They look good. Mavericks. I still believe in the Mavericks. I still believe that Kyrie and Luka can get it together. I think part of the problem is late game situations and just kind of turning the ball over and not being on the same page. And ultimately, I think it comes down to who is going to be the closer for the Mavericks. And me personally believe that that closer is Kyrie. So I think once they agree on who the closer is, that will make things a lot easier for them. I would like to see Kyrie be the closer for that team. If Luka is going to close for them, I mean, I have nothing against that at all. But I don't think he has the experience of closing that Kyrie does. So the chemistry for them is still is still a long way, a ways right now. And we will kind of see how that kind of shapes uh, moving forward. But I'm not worried about the Mavericks. Are they going to make the playoffs? Yes, they are. Are they going to compete for a championship? I think they're a long shot. But, I mean, I give them a, I give them a shot, though. They're a long shot, but I give them a shot. I'm not going to sit here and say that they don't have a shot. But, um, yeah, they, they, they had a big lead on the Lakers today and ended up losing it. So, uh, we do like to, you know, we are going to see what happens with, with Kyrie and Luka moving forward. But I'm not worried. If you ask me if I'm worried, I'm not worried at all. I, I'm not worried. Speaking of um, new faces and new places, uh, Russ played his first game with the Clippers the other day. Uh, had 17, 14, and 5. And the Clippers did lose. They, he played again today against the Nuggets. He had 17, 5, 4 rebounds, 5 steals, and did not play in the fourth quarter or overtime of the game. So you can't really blame that loss on Russ. Can't blame the other loss on Russ either. <clears throat> but I'm gonna say this. I, I did watch that game against the Nuggets. Dang, I feel like I got a <clears throat> I feel like I got a Charlie horse or something in my throat. I did watch that game against the Nuggets that they played. And listen, Tyloo. <clears throat> Tyloo, one of the, you know, best coaches in the NBA. This this message is for you. If you plan on sitting Russell Westbrook in the fourth quarter or at the end of games and overtime for Eric Gordon, you are going to lose a lot of games. It's that simple. I mean, Eric Gordon, he can shoot, but he's not good on defense. He can't really move. He's only good for shooting. Other than that, he's not going to give you anything else. Nope, no no assists, no rebounds. Um, I would prefer, I would rather you play Terrence Mann at the end of close games rather than Eric Gordon. Now, should Russ be in the lineup at the end of the game? I believe that he should be. Okay, when he's putting up stat lines like that, 17-5-4, and 17-14-5, he should be in the game at the end. If you want to if you want to ch- have a chance to win, Okay, I mean, you know, listen, I know Russ, you know, it's kind of a liability with shooting the three ball. But, I mean, what you're going to get in other areas will be fine. 
And if you use rest as a screener and a roller in the fourth quarter, you don't have to worry about him shooting the three ball as much. It is hard to help off somebody when he is rolling to the basket. So, listen, they, I mean, you know, the Clippers, I mean, they're going to be a tough out. If Kawhi plays the way he plays, and mind you, the game they lost to the Kings, um, which is one of the, I think, one of the top five high-scoring games of all time. I mean, that game could have went either way. So, I'm not going to sit here and rest fouled out of that game, but that game could have went either way. Uh, it's, one could say that the reason why they're losing these games is because Russ is not in the lineup at the end of the game. That That's very easily somebody could say that. But I would like to see Russ in the closing lineups, especially over Eric Gordon. If you're not going to play Eric Gordon, find somebody else. I don't know if it's Covington. But it definitely, Eric Gordon should not be in the lineup at the end of the game. I'm sorry. He just shouldn't be. I don't see any way, shape, or form that he should be in the lineup. But I do like the Clippers' chances of, you know, making it to the conference finals. I do. I like them better than the Nuggets. I believe they have a strong chance. I would take them in, against Denver in a seven-game series any day of the week. Now, with that being said, Denver is no slouch. Jokic is no slouch. But as I stated before, I gotta you know I gotta see him in the playoffs. I don't believe it right now. I just don't. But since we you know we kind of gearing down to the playoffs, this stretch run, of the regular season, um, getting ready for the playoffs, I kind of want to talk about the glue guys. You know the the lunch pot, the lunchbox guys, the guys that are gonna bring their hard hat. Um, they're gonna play. You know they're gonna come to work. They are going to do the dirty things, uh, get on loose balls. They are going to um, go into the stands. They're going to give 100% effort, you know, things that don't show up on the stat sheet. And my list of top five glue guys, okay, that are, you know, significant pieces uh, to a championship roster. You can't win a championship without these guys. They have a major impact on winning. And I've compiled my list of top five glue guys uh, for this stretch run and, and going into the playoffs. Now, the list, I mean, listen, there, there are some obvious people you could put on the list. I tried to leave the obvious names off the list um, and try to think a little bit outside the box. I mean, I do have a couple obvious people on the list, but I did try to kind of go outside the box. I mean, of course, you got honorable mention of Draymond Green. We already know that he's a Hall of Fame glue guy, but he's not on the list. But, of course, you know, I mean, come on, you know what Draymond Green does. Okay, but these other players that I have on this list are of that ilk. They're of that mold. And we're going to start off with coming in at number five. We have Bruce Brown um, from the Denver Nuggets. Now, listen, Denver's number one in the West. Everybody thinks they have a chance to go to the finals. Um, They have the player of the year. They have Jokic. They got Murray. They got Michael Porter. They got Aaron Gordon. Of course, all those players are very important. They're all starters. You know, they're going to do it. You know, they're going to play a lot of minutes. They're going to be the ones that kind of produce the most. Um, They're going to draw the most attention. Bruce Brown, though, on the other hand, is a player that will be counted on. In order for the Denver Nuggets to reach the level that they want to reach, 
Bruce Brown will have to be efficient, and he will have to be a major contributor. He's currently averaging 11.1 points per game, 48% from the field, 3.9 rebounds, uh, 3.6 assists a game. Those are pretty much on par with his career averages. I mean, he averages four rebounds, four assists a game, about eight points on 48% shooting as a career. So his numbers are a little bit better points-wise, but other than that, I mean, this is what you get from Bruce Brown. Um, what you don't see from Bruce Brown is all the little things that he does, uh, deflections, rebounds, um, offensively, uh, taking the opponent's best player on defense, um, being a facilitator on offense that will get you a hockey assist. He might not be the one that gets the pass, but he might get the pass that sets up the pass to get the the, the, the assist. Those are the things that Bruce Brown does. So he's on this list for that very reason. If Denver's going to be the team that you know people think Denver's going to be, then yes, Bruce Brown is on that list. Okay, coming in at number four. Now this is a joint. This is a joint uh, glue guy list right here. And the reason why it's a joint glue guy, I guess, because I'm not sure which one of these players is going to play more minutes. But I know for a fact that both of these players will be major contributors. If this team wants to go where they want to go, both of these players will have to contribute. I'm not sure which one is going to step up uh, moving forward, but we'll see how it goes. But it's Torrey Craig and Josh Okogu from the Phoenix Suns. All right. I mean, listen, KD, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker. Somebody's going to be open on that, you know, that's going to be whoever that fifth man is on the court with them. Is going to be open. They're going to have to contribute, and they're going to have to be uh, not a liability and have to do the dirty work. They have to. When you have those scorers on the team, the point guard, and you have a big that can run like a deer in Aiton, somebody has to be the man that's going to get the 50-50 balls. Somebody's going to be the man that's going to have to play hard-nosed defense on the opposing team's best player. And those players are Torrey Craig and Josh Okogu. Um, Torrey Craig averaging... 7.7 7.7 points a game, 5.8 rebounds. Uh, he's about a 45% career shooter um, from the field. And he, that's kind of on par for what he's doing this year. Uh, Akogu, a little bit different. Um, 6.6 points per game, 3.3 rebounds. He shoots um, about 42% from the field. But for the most part, both of those players, especially Akogu, he can hit the three ball. Torrey Craig... He's a very long defender. I think he's about six seven. Um, he can watch guard one through five. I think when they go to small ball lineup, Torrey Craig usually guards a big. And both of those players will be very important. Glue guys coming down the stretch. If Phoenix is going to be the championship contender that they're going to be, they're going to need a fifth person to step up, okay, at all times. And that person's role, you know, is... They're going to have to start in that role. And that role is not going to be to score points. It's going to be to do everything else. And that puts a lot of pressure on Torrey Craig or Josh Okogu. I'm not sure which one it's going to be. I believe right now it's Torrey Craig. Uh, We'll see if that stays, you know, how it's going to be moving forward. But that's what I have coming in at number four on my list. Uh, Number three on my list is NBA champion P.J. Tucker. Um. P.J. Tucker, I mean, you know what you're getting from P.J. Tucker. Uh, Hard-nosed defense, somebody that's going to get up in you. He's going to talk to you, uh, try to get in your head defensively. 
You're not going to get a lot of points from him. He only averages about, what, three and a half points per game, maybe four rebounds. Um, but one thing about P.J. Tucker, he's de- very dependable. He does not miss a lot of games. Okay? And availability, they say, is always the best ability. And four seasons, four times, P.J. Tucker has played over 80 games. Um, another four times he's played over 70 games. So for the most part, you can kind of count on P.J. Tucker to be in the lineup. With that being said, what he brings to the lineup is definitely not measured in numbers. Okay, you can't you can't really measure the deflections he gets. You can't really measure the amount of shots that he can test without fouling and making it difficult on the opposing team's number one scoring option. Um, he's been a thorn in Kevin Durant's side. Uh, plenty of times in the playoffs, he's been a thorn in anybody else's side. He was a very important piece in the Milwaukee Bucks um, championship run a couple years ago. And I do expect that Philly right now, who I believe is maybe the third seed in the East, if Philly wants to overtake Milwaukee and the Boston Celtics, P.J. Tucker is going to play a major role in that. Okay, one thing about P.J. Tucker, he does know what his role is, and it is to to play defense, and it is to, you know, kind of be a hound out there. So, you know, that's definitely something that P.J. Tucker understands. And moving forward, if Philly wants to be the team that they're going to be, they went neck and neck with Boston the other day. Um, They probably should have beat the Celtics in that game. Uh, Jason Tatum made a very big shot. A bad defense by uh, De'Anthony Melton. If P.J. Tucker was watching Tatum, I don't think he makes that shot. But that's here nor there. Um, but moving forward, though, P.J. Tucker will be a major contributor to the 76ers if they plan on trying to get to the NBA Finals. Coming in at number two, and I didn't want to leave this person off the list because technically they're, they're not really a glue guy, but they are a glue guy. They're considered a third option um, when all players are healthy. But the reality is that they might be the number two option on this team at this point right now. And it's hard to kind of debate whether or not they are the number two option. Um, But I do believe that this person is the number two option on this team right now. Um, They were an all-star this year. They made, what, four four all-defensive teams, four-time all-defensive team. And I think two-time all-star. And it's Drew Holiday. Okay, Drew Holiday, I mean, listen, Drew Holiday averaging almost 20 a game, uh, 5.2 rebounds, 7 assists, shooting 46% from the field. And what Drew Holiday does, I mean, he does get you a lot of points, rebounds, and assists. Don't get me wrong. But what he does is disrupt the opposing team's offense. Okay, you know, a lot of coaches talk about cutting the head off the snake. That is what Drew Holiday does. Drew Holiday takes your point guard he picks him up 94 feet. He makes it very, very difficult for you to get into your offense and start running your offensive sets. And that, that just that component right there cannot be equated in stats. There are num- there are numbers for that. Drew Holiday gets a lot of deflections. He's he's one of, always one of the league leaders in steals. He's clutch. He makes big buckets down the line, down the stretch. Uh, you remember last year, you know, against the Celtics, I think it was game five, I believe. Uh, no, it might have been game six. 
when he had this, you know, the block on Marcus Smart, tipped the ball, you know, blocked the ball, jumped up in the air, got it from going out of bounds, threw it back in bounds in order for him to win in Boston and force a game seven. And, um, yeah, man, Drew Holiday, man, all-star. I mean, listen, he's a glue guy. I mean, he's all, I mean, it's hard to be a glue guy and be an all-star, but it's impossible for me to leave him off this list. It's impossible. What he does, other than scoring points, is what championship teams are made of. Every team needs a Drew Holiday on their team. At all times. Every team needs a Drew Holiday. Um, I do plan on Milwaukee making a run. And as I stated before, I would say that he is the second option right now. With Middleton coming off injury, not sure how healthy he is at this point right now. But Drew Holiday is the second option. He is the number two option on the Bucks right now, in my opinion. And he's playing like it. So it's well deserved. But he still I mean, but he still is a glue guy and he does all the dirty things. He does all the little things. You know, he gets on the loose balls. And I got him at number two on my list. And number one on my list. And this person is not a household name, but he is now. He is now. He might not have been before, okay, because he was playing in Minnesota. But now, you know, when you go to when you go to the Lakers, your stature and status goes up. Jared Vanderbilt, okay, now that he is now a Laker, he is very big right now, okay. Career fifty eight percent for the field, averages about six six point six rebounds a game. I think he's upped his average a little bit this year, maybe averaging eight. Eight points a game this year. Um, he's very big, man. He he definitely can guard one through five. You don't have to worry about that. Defensively, he can switch on anything. Uh, one thing about him is that he does get in passing lanes. Okay, he got a number of steals today against the Mavericks. He was six straight from the field, 17, 17 rebounds, 15 points. I mean, listen, <laughs> four steals. That man was playing some basketball today. Okay, was guarding Luka down the stretch, and that's what the Lakers need right now. I mean, they have LeBron and AD to do a lot of scoring. They have Malik Beasley, who's going to shoot jumpers. Um, they have D'Lo, who's going to shoot jumpers. They need somebody that's going to do the dirty work, and it's going to be Vanderbilt. And coming down the stretch, if the Lakers want to be the team that they're going to they, that they want to be. Vanderbilt would be he will be a very important cog uh moving forward. Very, very important. And I have him as number one on my glue on my glue guy list because I believe if he plays to the level that he's capable of playing, the Lakers are championship contenders. Not playoff contenders, championship contenders. Listen, I don't care who who's playing and who they're playing or, or who says what. Nobody wants to play LeBron James in a seven-game series. He is known for winning seven-game series. That's what he does. He went to the finals 10 straight years. So I got I got no, you know, no no worries about LeBron James going to the finals or go, or once he I'm not going to the finals, but I have no worries about LeBron James if he gets in the playoffs. For the simple fact that he's battle-tested. So, you know, he will lead. You don't have no no worries about that. Jared Vanderbilt, he will be a very important piece 
you know, to follow in LeBron's lead. And he's rangy, long, athletic, dives for loose balls, gives you second chance opportunities. I mean, he does a lot. He does a lot. And I got him at number one on my glue guy list down the stretch for this playoff run. And that, you know, that's that's my top five glue guy list uh for the remainder of the season. Um, could this list change moving forward? Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, there there are some other people that may step up. Uh Plumlee from the Clippers, of course, Draymond. I mean, you definitely can't count him out. Um, Bam from the Miami Heat, definitely, you know, he's definitely a glue guy. He definitely does the does the dirty things. Um Dylan Brooks is definitely somebody else that could have been on this list. I mean, there are a number of people on this list that could have been on this list. I mean, I picked the five that I picked because I did not want to go with the obvious picks. Okay, Dwight Powell from the Mavericks, he he probably could have been on this list. Christian Wood could have been on this list. There's definitely a couple players that could have been on this list, but I did kind of want to go a little bit outside the box with this list. I mean, Drew Holiday's definitely not outside the box. Um, Tucker might not be outside the box, but I think the the other players are. So that that's the list. Um, I kind of want to, yeah, we're going to transition and get out of this and get get into this no-no. And this no-no, man, I feel bad, man. I did not want to give this person a no-no, man. I did not want to do it. But I but I got to. Okay, just for the simple fact that they talked a lot. You know, they talked a lot of stuff, man. They did. I mean, listen, I like this person. I think that this person is, is, is definitely... Uh, Good for the sport of boxing. Um, he's brought a lot of attention. He's making sure the you know the fighters get paid, whether it's UFC or boxing. And I do like this person an awful lot, man. But this no no goes to Jake Paul, man. Um, he was. I mean, listen. I'm not sure if his confidence is due to him wanting to sell the fight, but I, I mean, I also think that he is a confident guy. And I'm giving him I'm giving him this no no, just for the simple fact that he kind of didn't respect his opponent. He was talking a lot of stuff to Tommy Fury. He did not respect his opponent at all. Um, listen, he fought a very good fight. It was a very good, entertaining fight. I I can't wait for the rematch actually. And Jake Paul is definitely in the he's officially a boxer now. But I do not feel like he took Tommy Fury serious, man. I don't know why, but it, I just didn't feel like he did. I think he thought he was going to knock him out. No, Jake Paul, this is a real boxer. This is not, you know, a, a athlete. This is not a UFC fighter. Tommy Fury is a real boxer. And what Jake Paul found out is that when you're fighting a real boxer and you don't land that haymaker punch, do you actually get a fight? The full round, you know, the full the full match, and you gotta, you know, actually start using the techniques and the sport of boxing. You know, like Floyd Mayweather does. You know, boxing is a thinking man's game. It's not something you can't just go up there and just throw haymakers, man. It just doesn't work like that. You know, it's the it's the art and the skill of boxing, <clears throat> the art of hitting and not getting hit. And Jake Paul got hit a lot today. I think Tommy Fury landed 88 total punches, 49 power punches. Uh, Jake Paul might might have landed maybe 49 punches. Uh, And, 
No, no, he no. Jake Paul might have landed maybe fifty or sixty punches. Let me take that back. But he did not land a lot of power punches. I think he might have landed twenty three power punches, something to that effect. And he took a lot of hits. Okay, he did knock Tommy Fury down in the last round. Uh, did look like Fury slipped a little bit, but ultimately he slipped because he got hit. So it was a knockdown. But other than that, though, I mean, Jake Paul might have won three rounds out of eight. I think he only won three rounds. I mean, obviously he lost the fight, so he didn't win more rounds. I think one judge had it 76, 75. Uh, Fury, another judge had it 70, 76, 70. Jake Paul and the last judge had a 77-75 Fury. So it was very close. I mean, it was a close fight. But ultimately, Jake Paul, man, I don't think that you respected Tommy Fury. and means you kind of didn't respect the sport. That's how I kind of feel. Um, you did take the defeat, and you were very humble in defeat. But ultimately, you did not respect the sport as much as you should have, and you did not respect Tommy Fury as much as you should have. And and for that, man, you definitely getting this no-no, man. You definitely getting this no-no. But make make no mistake, man, I love everything Jake Paul stands for. I do, man. He's a positive role model. Um, he has his boxing for bullies program. Um, I do love everything he stands for, man, but I just want him to be a little bit more cognizant of respecting the sport of boxing, okay? And I felt like he didn't he didn't really do that, man. So the no no goes to goes to you, Jay Paul. I didn't really want to give it to you, but I did. Okay. Um Yeah, man. It was a good fight though. Very good fight. Can't wait for the rematch. Yeah, this episode is going very, very fast. Shout out to Tommy Fury, though, man. You showed up and showed out. You doubled your purse, you know what I mean? And you showed up and showed out, man. But let's let's transition, get up and out of here. Speaking of fighting um, and, squab- and you know, getting your squabbles up, we got to talk about Snowfall, the first two episodes that came out. Hey, man, there's so much more I got to get into. It's crazy. Now that I'm looking at this list. Um, Snowfall had its season premiere last week. Um, two episodes. They did two episodes. Uh, I like where the season's going, man. I mean, ultimately, it's, it's Franklin against Louie and, and Uncle Jerome. That's what it looks like. I'm not really sure where Teddy's, you know, it's, it's, it's Sissy against, against Teddy right now and Franklin against Louie and Jerome. Jerome hit first, man. He killed Black Black Diamond. Uh, and he, you know, he kind of beat her bad too, man. He kind of beat her bad. Now, listen, I understand that a lot of people, you know, were mad at Jerome for killing her, but um, ultimately, you know, she had it coming. She shot Louie. So, I mean, Jerome had, he really had no reason not to hurt her. He was not hurting her before because they were all on the same, you know, all on the same team and they were all working together. But now that, you know, they're not. Listen, man. I mean, she shot Louie. Jerome wasn't having that. Jerome Ben wanted to kill her. And I don't think he intentionally tried to kill her, but she just ended up dying. But he, he pistol whipped her kind of bad, man. And then the scene uh, with Jerome and Franklin was a very intense scene. 
great scene actually. And that's where, you know, Franklin, you know, Jerome is trying to get his money back, you know what I mean, that Franklin stole, which he's not getting back. And Franklin told him, man, he said, I tried to give you a better life, better than subwoofers. But if you wouldn't have married Louis, we wouldn't be in this situation. And ultimately what it comes down to is that Louis is the whole reason that there is a family feud going on between Franklin and Jerome. It is really, it is literally all Louis' fault, man. Louis went behind his back, went to the connect, and I just don't like it, man. I just don't like it. I don't like seeing Uncle Frank going at it, but that just is what it is, man. And I don't think that Uncle Jerome makes it out this season. I think Louis going to get him killed. And if Louis doesn't get him killed, he's going to have to kill Louis. And at some point, Uncle Jerome is going to have to choose his family or Louis. That's what it looks like. So we'll see where the season goes. Um, in regards to Sissy, Sissy wants Teddy bad, man. She wants Reed Thompson, Teddy, whatever you want to call him. She wants him bad. She's working with Ruben, and who is with, I believe, what, the Russian mob or something to that effect? I forget who Ruben's with. But uh, she, wants, she wants him bad, man. You know, that scene that she had with Saint about who he's going, you know, she said, who are you going to choose, Saint? And... You know, she kind of felt disrespected by Teddy being the fact that Teddy killed Franklin's dad but didn't kill her because he she didn't he didn't see her as a threat. And she took that kind of personal. And now she's coming back for blood, man. And I like I like Mad Sissy. Okay? I think that Mad Sissy is very powerful. She could do a lot. And she is, you know, she's underestimated. And with that being said, I mean, did I just say that? I don't know if I did or not. But anyway, that's here and there. Sissy, Sissy's coming. She's coming, and Franklin's with her. And and you know, I wasn't sure that Franklin was going to be with her in regards to trying to take down Teddy, but uh, Franklin did decide to side with his mother. And yeah, we're gonna see where that storyline goes. So didn't see Leon uh, this past episode. Uh, he's in Africa with Wanda. Not sure what he got going on, but I do kind of want to see Leon and see exactly how his storyline plays out. This is the final season of Snowfall, so I am um, looking forward to it. So, uh, <clears throat> But overall, man, good first two episodes, though. Good first two episodes of Snowfall. Um, next episode, this Wednesday, 10 o'clock, uh, FX Network. Definitely, definitely tune in. You know what I mean. Definitely tune in. Um, we didn't touch on BMF last last episode neither. We gotta get into a little bit of BMF. Uh, BMF, man. Listen, I love BMF. Okay, I love the show. I love everything that's going on in the show. Um, listen, I understand that you know a lot of the stuff that's going on in the show is not completely fact based, but it does have some truth to it. And listen, man. Meech is a boss, man. Meech is definitely that dude. I like how he's running things. I like how B. Mickey is about to turn into a savage. Okay, before I was hating last, it was it's not even it wasn't even last episode. The episode before that, I was hating B. Mickey. He was trying to snitch on Meech. He was working with the Tefkin Pride. But now, you know, what happened, and spoiler alert, what happened to B. Mickey, I wished on no person at all. 
And I don't even want to say what happened because I just don't even like putting that energy out there. But what happened to B. Mickey is going to change him for the better. No, no, wait a minute. Oh, I don't want to say for the better, but it's going to change him to the point where he's not going to care about anything. Which makes him very, very dangerous. Okay? Um, yeah, I don't want to say it's going to make him better. It's going to make him worse before it's going to make him better. That's for sure. But um, I do see him and Detective Bryant having a head-on clash moving forward. So we're going to see where that goes. Um, going to see what happens with T and Lawanda and Lala and that love triangle. Uh, as far as Charles, oh, man, Charles. Listen, I was not Team Charles at all. But then I realized, man, Charles, listen, man, Charles been deprived. He's been he's been sex deprived, okay, by Lucille, man. He's been sex deprived. It's probably, you know what I mean, she work all day. She come home smelling like Wendy's. It ain't, you know what I mean? It, you know, Charles, he, he looking for something fresh, okay? You know what I mean? Now he with Mabel, and, and it's, it's, it's up right now. It's all the way up. And at first I was like, dang, man, I ain't like Charles. I ain't like what he's doing. But now I think I might be Team Charles, man. I think I might be. Okay, to Lucille, you know what I mean? You know, kind of change her ways, man. I think I might be Team Charles, man. I'm not sure yet, man. Uh, Lamar, listen, Lamar's a dangerous dude, man. The whole thing about him and his dog and Blackie Dan, I mean, I felt bad for him, but... Listen, he's still a dangerous dude, man. And Cash, and I think he knows Cash Dog's going to try to set him up. But I'm worried about Cash Dog because you messing with Lamar, you mess around and get killed, man. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, BMF, man, season. I think they episode, and they only got two or three episodes left, man. I think that was episode seven last week. So eight this week. Yeah, they only got three weeks left. Three weeks left, and then we're going right in the Power Ghost, man. Uh, shout out 50, man. We're going right in the power go. Speaking of um, power and BMF and all that in 50, um, I seen a picture with Soraya and Joey Badass today. And if they're a thing, I think I like it. If Soraya and Joey Badass are a thing, I think that I do like it. Okay, Soraya, um, known from Empire. She's in BMF. She's also in a lot of movies. She makes music. Um, she's an overall entertainer. So I don't think she's just known for one thing. Uh, she's definitely a jack-of-all-trades uh, actress, entertainer, um, artist. And Joey Badass, of course, is a rapper, unique on Raising Canaan. And I, li- I like it. I like I liked it. I definitely like it, and I'm here for it, man. Is that what the, that, that's what the girls say? I'm here for it. Okay, I don't want to say what the girls say, but, I mean, I'm, I'm here for Saray and Joey Badass, man. Uh, so shout out to them too if that's if they you know if they're a couple and that's what they're doing. So shout out to them. Um <clears throat> Belair also premiered too. So uh they came out one episode last week. Uh, I like what's I like what's going on with Belair. It's definitely different. If you have to kind of watch the first season to know what's going on in the beginning of the second episode. Interested to see what happens with Jeffrey. And uh, Uncle Phil, and see if your relationship, you know, comes back together. Um, Will storyline, and and now he's with this basketball agent. I want to see how that works out. Looks like the agent's trying to take advantage of him because he knows he's rich. So we'll see what happens with that. I uh, want to see what happens with Coco Jones or Hillary, and and Jazz 
and see how that kind of plays out. And I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on. Uh, of course, you got Vivian with the artist stuff and and the artist article. I mean, yeah, man, it's the it was the first episode of season two, so there's storylines all over the place. Uh, can't wait to see what happens with that. But I will be tuned in. I like Bel Air the show. It is very entertaining to me, and I will continue to watch, man. So, um, what else did we have going on last week, man? Uh, NAACP Awards. Yes, NAACP Awards happened. Um, of course, it was, you know, a lot going on with the NAACP Awards. Uh, Entertainer of the Year went to Angela Bassett, of course, for her role in uh, Wakanda Forever, which she killed completely. Uh, she definitely, you know, knocked it out the box, that role. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever won Outstanding Motion Picture. And listen, I, I liked I liked Black Panther. It just wasn't better than the first one. But as far as a good movie, it was definitely a good movie, man. Uh, outstanding actor in a motion picture went to Will Smith from Emancipation. And that was well-deserved, man. Um, of course, Emancipation, I thought, was the best movie that came out this year. Better than Wakanda Forever. And, um, yeah, man, Will Smith, he deserved that, he, he deserved that award. He deserves more awards for Emancipation. Not sure what's gonna happen with you know. Well, he's banned from the Grammys, but um, he deserves he deserves uh he deserves awards for emancipation. He does. So, oh, what happened to my mouse? Okay, about to say what happened to my mouse. Um, but he did win for NAACP award. Viola Davis won. Uh, what did she win? Outstanding actress for motion picture uh, for the Woman King, which I didn't watch because the Woman King was very very long. Um. Angela Bassett won another award for Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Motion Picture. I mean, she definitely cleaned Hey, look, Angela Bassett, she cleaned up, okay? Uh, Wakanda Forever, they cleaned up. Uh, and then we had, you know, we had some moments on there. You know, we had the moment with uh, Damson Idris and Method Man, you know, where they had uh, their moment in regards to... Um, <laughs> In regards to, you know, them talking about the debate about who's the sexiest man between those two. So, we, I mean, there were some moments. Uh, you had Dwayne Wade in his moment with um, Gabrielle Union up there talking about uh, his daughter and, you know, legally changing her name and becoming a woman. And, um, I mean, it was emotional, man. And just to see Dwayne Wade as a dad just go up there and support her like that, uh, you know, it's important for people to see that. You know what I mean? It's important for people to see that and, you know, to accept your kids for, you know, who they are. So that was a very big moment, I thought, with the way in where he gave a very heartfelt speech uh, with, you know, Gabrielle Union by his side while he was giving that speech. And she, she, you know, she stated that she wanted to tear up and kind of choke up while that speech was going on. And she held it together, but it was very emotional for her. And, um, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot going on in regards to the news about, you know, Dwayne Wade, is he kind of, you know, using this whole thing with, with Zaya for uh, publicity? And, of course, he's not. I mean, he just wants the best for his child, um, which any, any parent would want. So, um, shout out to Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union and just, you know, NAACP Awards, man. It was a, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of soul in that show. 
And, you know, got to keep showing up for those type of awards, man. Definitely got to keep showing up for those type of awards. Uh, what, what else is going on, man? Anything else? Um, East Palestine news. East Palestine news, man. Uh, Joe Biden, man, on Friday directed federal agencies to go door-to-door in East, East Palestine, Ohio, to check on families affected by the toxic train derailment that has morphed into a heated political controversy. Um, under Biden's orders, teams from the CDC and Prevention Environmental Protection Agency and Federal Emergency Management Agency will visit homes, ask residents how they're doing, see what they need, connect them with appropriate resources. And I believe that's something that, you know, Biden, he wants to take this thing serious. He wants to make sure that, you know, these these people in East Palestine are okay. Uh, now, he didn't, you know, specify how many homes will be visited. But, I mean, if they're going door to door, and I don't think East Palestine, Ohio, is a very large city. Um, so, you know, I'm pretty sure they'll kind of, you know, they're, they're probably trying to get to most of the places um, in that area. Uh, now, the president, he hasn't, you know, personally visited East Palestine yet. He has no plans to get there yet, but I'm sure he's he's going to do everything that he can in order to make sure the people of that community are okay. Uh, so that's what's going on, you know, up there in Ohio. Um, let's see what else do we got going on out here. Um, China, oh man, China and Ukraine, man. Um, China's listen. China wants to kind of basically. Broker some peace right now. He's calling for a ceasefire between Ukraine and Russia. And, you know, I guess they don't really want to get involved, man. I guess they do not want to get involved. I think China understands that if they do get involved, um, it could get ugly for them. So, but China does have a relationship with Russia. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're trying to say they have a neutral stance, but... I mean, listen. They, I mean, it's 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 a known fact that they have a relationship with Russia, so they have came up with a twelve point peace proposal, um, to kind of try to end this war. And you know, listen, China's trying to act as the mediator of this war, and I'm not sure how that's going to go, at all. I, I'm really not sure that's how that's going to go. I don't think the U.S. wants them to get involved with what's going on. Um, ultimately, you know, if you're on the side of justice, most people would want, you know, on Ukraine's side. Ukraine is is the side of justice, and that's kind of what is going on here. And I think that's why the U.S. does not want China to get involved with what is going on here. Um, now, I did not get into my shining segment which we are going to get into. I know I, I know I'm kind of, you know, rushing through a lot of things right now at the end of this episode, but I could not I could not do this episode without getting into my shining segment um because this this segment is very important to me in regards to shining a light on this person. Um so let's go ahead and uh let's do let's do this shining segment and Let's get into this shining segment, man. This shining segment goes to Kayomi McMiller. And if you're not familiar with her, she is a high school basketball player. 
She is a five-star point guard from New Jersey, and she is the first high school athlete to sign a NIL deal with the Jordan brand. And I think this is big, man. I think this is big for women's hoops. Um, I think this is big, you know what I mean, just for high school athletes as as well. She's currently ranked sixth in the class of 2024. She plays for Light Hope Academy. Now listen, I have not seen her play in person. But from what I have seen, this girl is the future of, of women's basketball. Okay, I, I you know, I gave her the hashtag the future. She goes by the moniker of the product. And I can't wait to go see her play in person. I've never seen a girl basketball player that plays like this. I, I've never seen it. She does street ball moves in high school games. She has the ball on a string. What she does, I have never seen in in like in regular games. I mean, what she does, you see in street ball. It's not something that you see with regular refs. Okay? And I'm advising anybody and everybody to check her out, whether it's via social media, whether it's live in games. But this girl is talented, man. This girl is special. Kami McMiller is the future of the WNBA. I have no doubt about that. Uh, and I'm excited to see, man. I, you know, I just, I, I kind of worry about the pressure that gets being put, that gets put on, you know, high school athletes. Um, but I feel like she's built for this pressure. And her signing with Jordan is something, you know, that's something, that's a big thing. That's a very big thing. And being the first high school athlete, she is like the female equivalent of LeBron James, I think, right now in high school. And I just wanted to shine a light on her and that story. And, you know, I, I want to kind of get into get into that a little bit more, especially I want to get into college basketball too as well. Um, high school playoffs coming up um, as well. But we don't have a lot of time. We two minutes left. Listen, man, uh, we getting out of here, man. Um, but I did want to get that shining segment and shine a light on her as well. I keep saying as well, man. I don't know. I don't know why. I got it. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. But yeah, man, we getting out of here, man. You got it. Episode 38. We going out on this mellow tip. And we'll be back, man. You know what I mean? We're going to be back soon. We dropping again. Shout out to my pops. Um, yeah, man, we out of here, man. Ended on this R&B tip. H-Town, man. Don't hold back the rain, man. Sometimes that rain gonna come, though. It's hard to hold it back. Shout out Coyle the Ray, too, man. She been killing it at, at Fashion Week. She don't even know it, but that's my girlfriend for real. And she got a top 10 record right now, too. I don't want to just talk about it because of her looks. She got a top 10 record, too. It's falling down. Joe, you better, Joe Biden, you better get to Ohio, man. They want to see you up there, man. They want to see your face, man.
Ukraine, keep battling, baby. Keep battling, man. Don't let Russia trying to be bullies. Keep battling, Ukraine. Shout out Issa Rae, too.